As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. And this is another episode of 1% Better. Uh, we're coming to you from sunny Phoenix. Looks like golf weather. But uh, listen, here, here's what we're here to talk about. The Indianapolis Colts. Oh my God. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Uh, look, I, I wasn't thrilled about coming out here on Christmas, covering this game. You know, who wants to do that? But I got to tell you, I've rarely seen a performance like I saw last night from the Colts at State Farm Stadium or whatever it's called. Uh, That 22-16 win over the Arizona Cardinals, that was the gut gut checkiest of gut check wins you will ever see uh, in any sport, really. Uh, They were down at one point in that game, 10 starters, COVID starting to ravage the Colts a little bit. And it's not just anybody. It's their best freaking players. And I will tell you what, Zach, I don't know. I mean, I think you and I both saw this team for for what it is, I think, a while ago. I think we we know what they are. They can win any game. I think we've both believed that for a while. But if you were on the fence about this team, what do you think that game last night said? Yeah, you've covered this team eight, nine years now. Have you ever seen one that That measures up to that? And I think you, you said it best. I mean, of their nine wins this season, that one was the most revealing. And I agree. We haven't seen one quite like that. Not with 10 starters down. And it's not its not just the fact that it was 10 starters. It was who it was. It was Darius Leonard. It was Quentin Nelson. The heartbeats of your offensive line and your defense, respectively. And at one point, it was four offensive line starters. It was Braden Smith and everybody else, right? And your secondary was in dire straits. I mean, it was... I don't even know. It was Jaleel Adai, I think, was the safety. If you say um, so. Exactly. You know, that's a guy that was we, we didn't even talk about in training camp. And it wasn't pretty, but we were driving home last night late after the game, and, and I think it kind of hit both of us. Like, that was a masterpiece from Chris Bowden and Frank Wright. You have to win ugly in this league, especially in the, in the era of COVID. And that was a reflection of how good both of these guys can be, the, the GM and the coach. And I really believe that. Um, they gave a grain ball to Chris Ballard last night, and Frank Reich said, when you win like that, when you're down 10 starters and you have guys that can step in and play well, 
against a really good NFC team, you give credit to the guy who built the roster. And Chris Ballard's been building this for, for four years to be ready for moments like this. And I thought back to Pittsburgh last year when the offensive line, especially the tackles, you know, with Braden Smith out and Costanzo out, it just fell mm. apart. And that 20-point lead disappeared. And Chris Ballard was killing himself in the press box. Last night, a different story. You should have seen the look I got after Carson Wentz threw that touchdown. I looked up to Ballard, who was behind me in the press box, and just got a, I got a confident look. He enjoyed that one to Doolin, the, the touchdown. Not to Doolin, excuse me, to uh, to Desmond Pat, Patman. Yep. But, um, and then secondly, and, and we should talk about Frank Wright, because he's had some moments as Colts coach where he's looked really good, but I don't think he's had a finer night of work than he did last night. Okay, so I am generally uh, one who, who likes to credit players foremost. Okay, first and foremost, and and I think that's that's relatively true here too. But let's be clear about this: there there was a yeoman's effort to number one get these guys in position to play well. Some of whom were never supposed to play. Okay, that's number one. And number two, to to basically revamp the game plan on the fly in six Friday or seven hours. Saturday. Yes. They got a little heads up on Friday. Obviously, they lost Quentin and others on Friday. But Saturday, they get hit with this this three-pronged, you know, hit over the head. Okay? You lost three starters on Saturday morning. You lost Darius Leonard. You lost Kari Willis and Zach Pascal, who's your third receiver, who's a starter. So, you think that matters? You think that changes your game plan a little bit? Okay? And by the way, you're going on the road. That stadium last night was was absolutely loud, okay? I don't care what they say about Cardinals fans. They had the roof closed. The place was rumbling. It was loud. The environment's tough. And you don't have your main guns, okay? <laughs> they basically were worried about one guy, the Cardinals, last night. They weren't going to let Jonathan Taylor beat him. They, you know, for the most part, shut him down after that first long run, even though he had a 100-yard night. That was a tough night for Jonathan Taylor. So, look, how does that happen? It happens with coaches who instill confidence, number one, because how many times have we seen backups go out there and play with that deer-in-the-headlights look, okay? We've seen it over and over and over if you watch football or any sport. I didn't see that last night. And then I also saw not only that execution and that preparedness from the players, but I also saw just a, a great coaching job in terms of adjusting to what they had to do and and getting it done. Uh, Matt Eberflus in particular, getting EJ Speed out there and and using his speed uh, against Kyler Murray. And he ended up being their leading tackler last night. The first start of EJ Speed's career. Played well. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is just, I'm just telling you, the the glue that holds all this together is Frank Reich, man. I'm just telling you, listen, I, I like the man personally. I've been clear about that, but that's not what this is about telling you appreciate this guy because i'm just telling you this is yeah, not normal no. we've been saying this and and look at the two teams that played last night like right let's think about this right they've yep. got as dynamic an athlete at the quarterback spot as there is in the league and the cardinals were so poorly coached last night in me in my opinion Atrocious. it wasn't just the it, it wasn't just the penalties but i think they had 11 for 85 yards which is just awful there, the offensive scheme left a lot to be desired, and that's putting it lightly. It felt like, as someone said on Press Row, it felt like they were playing Madden with him back there, with Murray, just kind of having him run around. You know, the Colts, 
for all the defensive flaws this team might have, they kept most things in front of them. They let Murray have that one big run, which he's going to get because he's such a good athlete. He's so fast. But what a game plan for Matt Eberflus. So on that side of the ball, the Colts defense absolutely won that matchup. And I was not impressed with Kingsbury and his scheme and what he did with Murray last night. Now, I don't watch a lot of Cardinals games because they usually play late and we're writing our stories from the Colts game. But what a game plan from, from Frank Reich. And, and, and this is a good segue into the next guy we should talk about, and that's the quarterback. But there was a really revealing moment in Hard Knocks last week when Frank's in the meeting room with um, with Milanovic, the quarterback's coach, and with, with Marcus Brady, the OC. And he says, look, here, we're going to trust the quarterback. That's just what we're going to do. And it kind of made me think, like, when Andrew was here, he was he was going to trust the quarterback. When Jacoby was here, when Philip was here, that's just Frank's buy-in. And this reputation as one of the best quarterback mentors in the game is only going to be furthered by this season. Now, Carson is not a perfect quarterback, and I think you guys saw that last night, and I think your tweet kind of nailed it. It's not so much what he isn't. He's not going to be that top five, six guy. He's not. We've seen enough to know that. But he's tough, dude. That's a tough quarterback. And, and he was bad at points last night in the second and third quarter. I mean, missing throws, we said that were you know high school throws. And I think Carson would admit that. And I wondered how he would handle this moment. And he needed a moment like this, and he needed to step up. Because as I wrote last night, he hadn't really done that yet. He's played really well. He played really well in Baltimore. He played really well against the Tampa Bay Bucks for, for two quarters in the middle of the game. But he hadn't really won them a game from the quarterback spot. And Frank said last week, for us to go where we want to go, he's going to have to do that. And I wasn't sure if last night was going to be the night. I don't know if you did, but based on what we saw in the middle of the game, he wasn't playing well. And it wasn't really um, something that really made you convinced that he was going to step up. But I thought he made three of his biggest throws of the season on that drive that ended with the Patman touchdown. And for all the flaws in Carson Wentz's game and in his season, really, it's a roller coaster. That was a huge moment for him. And he stepped up. And you got to give him credit this morning. Those were some big time throws. Yeah, and I agree with all of that. I think there were times in that game last night where I was like, I, I kind of cringed. I'm not going to lie. Carson made some plays where it was like, okay, is this what kind of night it's going to be? Yeah. Because I don't know if they can overcome that. Now, to his credit or in his defense, I mean, he's missing four offensive linemen. Okay. And it, and it showed, right? I mean, he, yeah. his footwork was yeah. off. His timing was off. He didn't look confident or poised back there. Okay, what I saw, exactly, what I saw was 2020 Philly Carson Wentz at times. And and what does that mean? I watched the tape carefully. Uh, what, what that means is I saw a guy who did not trust the protection in front of him. And when he does that, it starts to unravel. That's where Carson Wentz gets messy. His, his footwork, as you mentioned, it becomes messy. Uh, it's, it's all over the place. It's certainly not textbook. It's never really textbook, but it's really bad at those moments. And so... What happens then? Accuracy goes out the window. So that's how he's missing those throws that you're talking about. Because his feet are all over the place. He's rushing. He's worried about the backside pressure, which was there, okay, at times. Oh, yeah. So no no shame in that. And so I understand it, though. I get it. Why would he trust four offensive linemen who never play? I mean, I get it. Uh, even if he does want to trust them, Human nature is what it is, okay? So, all right, that makes total sense. But I think what Carson is, is he's he's tough, as you mentioned, but he's also mentally tough, too. Because I think he can rise above that. 
And that's where I think that trust that Frank Reich talks about, that's where that's earned. It's not just making the play. It's also, can you keep your head? And there were some times. Yeah, yeah. There were some times when I was like, all right, that. is he going to lose his head here? And he didn't. If he lost his head, that drive you talk about doesn't happen. Exactly. I stood in there, and he was a gamer. I think that's what he is more than anything else. We can talk about how imperfect he is, and Carson himself will tell you, yep, I'm going to be that way my whole career. He okay, is. So he's deal not, with it. He's not Andrew Luck. He's not Peyton Manning. He's 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 a notch below that, If maybe two. But he is a gamer, and, and he came up to Frank on the sideline, and Frank said, you good? Frank's, and Carson said, I'm good. And he said, I never lose confidence. And that was important, I thought. And, and you hear quarterbacks say that a lot. But in this case, it's accurate because you don't lead that last drive. You don't hit T.Y. for 39 yards on that beautiful throw that kind of cut through the zone on the right side or Pittman for that first mm-hmm. down. or you know He hung in there and made a big-time throw for that touchdown. You don't do those things if you lose confidence because those take the absolute most confidence in yourself and your teammates. And for Frank Reich to keep dialing up opportunities for him to make those plays, I mean, that tells me that confidence is real. It's not like he was calling screens. It's not like he was you know, trying to find plays that would be sort of CYA plays, if you know what I mean. You know, He was saying, all right, we're going to put it out there. We're going to go win the game. We're not going to just sort of ease into this. And you know, they got aggressive at times there. And Carson Wentz handled it. And so I, I think that is an example of Frank Reich both instilling that confidence and and walking and talking that confidence with his quarterback. Because, you know, players smell bullshit, okay? If you're just giving them a line, they know that. But it's real. It's genuine. It's real. And I think players respond to that if they're good enough. And I think Carson Wentz is. So, listen, and I think if Carson can do that under the absolute worst circumstances, because we wondered, right, right, could he put the team on his shoulders? And he had to do that at, at, at times last night. And he had to do it under the absolute worst circumstances. All right? He's, he's missing all his key pieces. And he does it. So, I mean, that answered a, a huge question. And I think it, it can do nothing but instill more confidence in the coach, from the coaching staff's perspective, from Carson's perspective, and from his teammates' perspectives. Now, confidence, I think, is a good segue because – that's a that's a thing. It's a real thing. Oh, I, we I see think it. This, yeah, we yeah. see it in this team. At least it is with the Colts. They've won eight out of ten, and you know I had a line that I was pretty proud of in my story. You know they had no business winning this game, and yet they acted like they couldn't lose. And they are that's them right now. That is them. Yeah. Do, do you sense it? Can you can you feel it? See it? Yeah, we talked about this kind of on the way home last night, and and I had that sense early in the season, and I'm sure a lot of people out there listening kind of did too, that they were really good at finding ways to lose games. And that's a brutal way to put it, but it feels like some teams have that knack and some teams have the opposite knack. And, and, And they did everything they possibly could to lose that Baltimore game. It's still remarkable that they found a way to lose that game, right? You had to to miss extra points. You had to lose every third down conversion. You had to lose every two point conversion from the Ravens. Like, that was an, a masterpiece in how to lose a football game. 22 to 3 late and you find a way to lose in overtime. And that was kind of their thing. They did it against the Titans. You know, they found a way to lose against the Bucks, close game. And I do feel that starting to spin the other way, especially with the last two weeks, right? You're playing two of the best teams in the league, at least record-wise. I don't think the Cardinals are, are going to hang. I think they're going to fade. But the Cardinals and the Patriots, the Patriots are going to be there. I do think they're a good team. 
And you've got these tense moments, you've got these crunch time moments in the fourth quarter where those thoughts come back to you where, well, they've choked this away before. What, what are they going to do? And and they blew the lead against the Bucks, you know, a couple of days after Thanksgiving. And, and what do they do against the Patriots? They get Jonathan Taylor. They, Jonathan Taylor ends the game. And then last night, you know, Carson Wentz makes some plays to end the game. Those change the way you think in those moments. And it gives them confidence. And Frank talked to Tony Dungy a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, you know what? I feel like we have a good team, but what are we missing? And, and Dungy, you know, in his very Dungy-like way, just said, you just need to do the little things extraordinarily well. And in very difficult circumstances last night with nine starters out and a team that was hard to recognize at times in terms of who was out there, they found a way to win. And and I just kind of had this feeling that that's changing with them, right? That's changing. Some guys just naturally have that. With luck, you always felt like they were going to find a way to win. And they did 90% of the time in those tight games. With Wentz, it was different. For times, you felt like they were going to find a way to lose. I feel like that's turning. I feel like the locker room sees that. And, and it's not a coincidence that last night Frank Reich said this might be, considering the circumstances, one of the best team wins I've ever been a part of. Guys buy into that. They believe that. And, and like you said, this is is this 2018 all over again? I mean, Damn it feels, feels a whole like hell of a lot like it. I, I don't know how else to characterize it. It feels just like that. And and actually, we this is another conversation we had in the press box after the game. It does feel like 2018 for sure. And I would argue that top to bottom, this is a much better team too. Better roster, for sure. Now they're they're not as good at the quarterback spot, but everywhere else, I think this team top to bottom is better. Every unit, I would say, is probably better. They're deeper for sure. Okay, we saw that last night, and I just think in overall talent, they're better. And you know that 2018 team, I don't think that team. Uh, was necessarily poised to play with like anybody in the NFL. You know, yeah. We saw it in the in the playoff game. I mean, they had no chance. That, I think this that, team is if it's healthy and COVID disappears, which it will. Yeah, I, I am not promising you that they're going to beat anybody. I'm saying they can beat anybody. Uh, I truly believe that this team can beat anybody. Uh, they they certainly have the confidence to do it, and and they have the talent to do it. Let's just be honest. They have the talent to do it. I mean, at full strength. I mean, they were not last night, and and I don't know that they will be next week for sure, right? COVID, we'll get into that in a second. COVID's going to be a lingering issue here. But but this team can beat anybody. They believe they can beat anybody, and I think they have the talent to beat anybody. So to your question, is it 2018 again? Kind of, yeah, but but maybe a little better potentially. I mean, and we talked to Jim Irsay, you know, last night, who's – Really, just the, the biggest Colts fan there ever was. He's a dreamer. Jim um, is wearing his cowboy hat last night at the stadium, and and I you know I wrote at the end of this, my story that he might not ever take that thing off. And and by the way, it's going to be a hell of a hard knocks episode this week. This team does not oh, lack gosh. for drama. But you know, Jim said he, almost in an arrogant way, but I'm kind of with him. He said, "Look, you know, we'd love to win the division, but it looks like Tennessee is going to win that. So that means we're going to go on the road in the first round. We'll probably go to Tennessee or Cincinnati." And he said we're not scared about that. And, and I'm, I, I see it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's a lot of teams in the AFC besides Kansas city and maybe new England that scare you right now. If you're the Colts and you just beat new England by 10. And I think that's the reality. I think that it's the other way around. I think nobody wants the Colts to come to their place. If the Colts go up I 74 to Cincinnati, I think the Colts would win by two touchdowns. That's just me. 
Now, the, the COVID thing's not going to go away, and, and, and that's a reality for every team in this league moving forward. And we had to ask Frank Reich about this after the game, and they did send the players who tested positive who were in Arizona separately. They sent them home separately, and, and maybe that'll help. Maybe it won't. Um, but that's, that's the one thing that's lingering over this team right now, and every team's been hit. The Colts were hit especially hard this week, and, and we'll see how they come out of it. But they do have eight days before their next game against the Raiders. But – um, I think they could go anywhere in the AFC outside of maybe Kansas City and, and win on the road and if they have to in the first round. I agree. You know, I, I think that – right, let's just deal with COVID briefly here. Uh, so just to get, like, the, the specifics uh, down, because I know some of this gets complicated and, and confusing – um, if you test positive and you're unvaccinated, it's a 10-day deal for you. You got to sit for 10 days. So in the last couple of days, we've seen, uh, we believe, okay, none of this is 100% confirmed, and, and interrupt me if I'm wrong about that, Zach, but um, we believe Quentin Nelson's tested positive. He has, to our knowledge, not been vaccinated. Uh, Darius Leonard has been clear about not being vaccinated. He tested yesterday. So the clock on those guys started in the last couple of days, 10 days, knocks them out for next week. So that's that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. Now, getting the win last night, that's why it was, I think, one of the reasons that win was so big. Because you're going to be down some guys next week. There's no question. So when they had a chance, when they got into that game and they had a chance to win, they really needed to finish it. Because that just took a lot of pressure off their shoulders. But uh, anyhow, uh, continuing with the COVID issue. So, I mean, Kari Willis, I, that's a big loss, too. I, I'm not going to comment on his vaccination status. I'm not 100%. But if he's unvaccinated, that's going to be another guy who misses the Las Vegas game. Uh, they they really got to, you know, and then they've got these these injuries that they have to deal with. We don't know the status of Eric Fisher. I saw Jack Doyle walking around, but he was ruled out of the game pretty quickly. So, I don't know. And, you know, Jack Doyle's a guy who he's come back in and played, you know, with season ending injuries before finishing, you know, and finished the game before going on IR. So, uh, you know, I don't know what his status is either, but I think that's a, that's something to be concerned about. Uh, so, you know, they're not out of the woods here. They got to, they got to deal with some of these losses. These personnel issues are going to linger here for a little bit. But again, that's why getting that win last night, I think could not have been bigger because it, it took some pressure off of them. They are, basically in the playoffs here. Okay. Yeah. There are scenarios where they don't get in, but I mean, they're like one in a million. They, yeah. they but, have to really, they'd have to really screw this up. Right. I mean, yeah. am I missing that's, anything here? you nailed it. That's why last night was wind was so huge, you know, considering all the circumstances, that's why you just, you win. It makes you feel so much better moving forward. But the elephant in the room is, is they have one very important unvaccinated player yes. who has not tested positive yet. And that's Carson Wentz. And that's the reality. And, he said last week that nothing has changed on that front for him, meaning he has not taken the shot. Um, and I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I'm pretty confident. You know, the Colts have 10 unvaccinated players, and I believe that eight of them have gone to the COVID list in the last couple of weeks, or, or at some point this season. At some point. Ryan right. Kelly, Eric Fisher, the most recent guys, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, Kari Willis, Zach Paschal, a couple others. One of those two that has not is, is, is Carson Wentz. And then you made the joke like you just tell Carson to stay away from the team facility for the next four or five days. Cause I mean, like, really, just quarantine him? I mean, yeah. Now, he's, he's not the team's do. best player, but he might be their most important because of who 
comes in at quarterback after him. Is it Brett Hundley? Yeah. Is it Sam Ellinger? There's a, there's a significant drop off there. Wentz's status is absolutely it, it's vital for this team moving forward. Las Vegas, Jacksonville. So you know, as it was painted to me, you know, maybe when these guys come back off the COVID list, you know, once they come off the COVID list, then they can't go back on it for 90 days. So that makes yeah, you're exempted from the testing, I think, too. Puts you in the clear for the playoffs. However, you got to get your ass to the playoffs and it's no guarantee if Carson Wentz tests is positive. And that's that's the reality of where they're at. This thing is spreading fast. And he was on the team playing with a couple of these guys heading out to Arizona on Friday. So um, it wouldn't stun me if he tested positive. Obviously, we don't want COVID to be an issue. Like, trust me, we don't want it to be an issue. But it's the reality of where they're at. So, you know, the Colts really, really need to hope that Carson Wentz does not test positive in the, in the next couple of days because his status is absolutely vital. For all his flaws at the quarterback position, um, they need that dude. They need him on the field. And and there's no real great option if he tests positive. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give a sermon or anything, but it is, it, it's such a tenuous spot they're in. Let's just call it what it is, man. Because, and, and your vaccination status matters even more now because the protocols have changed. Right. You're at two and, games. You're at 10 days for the yeah. most, you know. And if, and if, if you're positive. if you're vaccinating test positive, uh, well, first of all, the testing is being scaled back for for vaccinated players. I mean, because I, I think we know Omicron is what it is. I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I you know I I certainly read what they have to say, and it does seem preliminarily like the impact is less. And to be completely honest, it's so rampant right now. I think the NFL is saying f it. <laughs> it's just being yeah, honest. Let's NFL call it what it is. Games. They want the NFL games, wants right. to get this done. Okay. I'm not saying this is about health and safety. I don't know. I, all I can tell you is they want these games played. And so if you're vaccinated, uh, you're going to be in a much more advantageous position. If you're not, you're you're definitely at risk because this thing is spreading and you're going to be compelled to test a lot more. Carson Wentz is at grave risk for missing games. Just call it what it is. That is what it is. Can't say anything. It can't be more direct than that. Um, so anyway, I, I just, you know, I, we've talked so much about COVID and, and vaccination since July. We've talked so much about it. We're all over it. But we we knew that they wouldn't get through this season without this thing being an issue. I don't, this is not an I told you so. It's a it's more of a duh. Okay. I mean, no kidding. Uh, and there are a lot of teams out there where you can make this counter argument that, well, there are lots of vaccinated players testing positive, too. Of course, there's lots of vaccinated people in the world testing positive. But it really doesn't tell us anything because 95, roughly, percent of the league is vaccinated. So most of the most of the positives will be vaccinated personnel because most people are vaccinated. But there's no question you're definitely at more risk for both testing positive and for acquiring COVID, at least on some level, if you are unvaccinated. You're going to be tested more, and obviously you don't have any protection. Those are facts, okay? I don't care about the politics of it. Those are facts. They're trying to win games. That's a factor. The end. All right. Um, looking ahead here, the, what do we what do we learn about the the defense? Do you think in the last couple of weeks here? Um, I, I would say this. And I'll get your thoughts. I mean, I don't think the defense necessarily won this game, but I thought they were really consistent last night. Uh, made it really tough on. Uh, on the Cardinals, and and the other thing is that the play they played with energy and speed, and just they looked like the more. I mean, they looked like Darius Leonard was out there. They they played the way Darius Leonard plays, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I I really love uh, 
Quiddy Pay pursuing yeah. the quarterback, Dio Adengbo getting in there and, and pursuing the quarterback at times. I I don't know. They're, they're playing with a little bit of confidence on defense. Look at uh, guys like George Odom, Isaiah Rogers. You know, getting their hands on the football. I mean. This is this defense is playing with a lot of confidence. We talked about Carson Wentz and some of those backups playing with confidence. I, I see it on defense too. What what did you take away from defense? Yeah, I was, was talking with someone inside the building before the game, and you know they they kind of mentioned the name to me, EJ Speed, and they were like, "We really like him. Like we think he's going to play well." And the conversation was like, "Well, maybe, but nobody in the league can replace Darius Leonard and what he does." And, and they mm-hmm. knew that, but. You got to give credit to this roster, and you got to give credit to Matt Eberflus for what they did last night with without Willis, who's you saw how important he is the last couple of games when he returned, and then without Leonard, like you said, I mean Okariki stepped up, and and EJ Speed made some plays, and, and and the two guys up front deserve a lot of credit. They do Buckner and Grover, and they don't always make a ton of splash plays, but you know the Cardinals couldn't get the run game going besides that one um, chunk run from from Kyler Murray. And this defense, when it is playing to its characteristics, and I think everybody knows what its characteristics are, right? They keep everything in front of them. They play that heavy zone. They don't really let you beat them over the top. They stop the run, and they force teams to throw it a lot. And and eventually, they're going to make some mistakes. The Cardinals never got into rhythm last night. I think Kyler threw it 45 times. And I thought it was a gem of a game for Matt Eberflus. And that guy's had some ups and downs this season. There have been times when this defense looked pretty terrible. And they've really steadied the last couple of weeks, and he's done a really good job without, you know, the one ingredient that really changes a pass rush, which is an elite, an elite pass rush, right? Now you got to give Cody Pay credit because he was he was hustling last night, and he was making things really difficult for Kyler Murray in the second half. Dio got in there for that big rush, but I think that defense travels, and I think when it's at full strength with Darius back in the middle of the lineup, with the takeaways, a very much a real factor. Um, they will give team fits in the playoffs. I really think they can do that. And we had this conversation late last night, and I think a guy that deserves a lot of credit, no one's talking about him, is, is Eric Rowe, you know, the, yeah. the secondary coach. This is his first year with the Colts. Very soft-spoken guy. You know, Rocky Sin did not play last night, but he's been terrific this year compared to where he was the last couple of years. You know, Xavier Rhodes has played better since coming back from that calf injury. Isaiah Rogers did I, get I, will, I want to reaffirm that, that. I want to affirm that, yes, because I've been hard on him, and I agree with you 100%. So yeah. sorry. Go ahead. And, and those guys, I mean, those guys have played well. And and the last guy I'll shout out is is George freaking Odom, man. Like, they they did everything they could to not <laughs> play him George. at safety the last couple of years. Like, everything <laughs> they could. George, and that dude pay had, me, Odom. <laughs> yeah. Remember when George, he was tweeting about his contract? <laughs> it's like, George is, is one of one. He's one of one, yeah. um, but basically brought back to be a special teams guy. He was all pro last year and, you know, has to play safety. Blackman's out. Willis has been out and Sandejo's out now with a concussion. And George freaking Odom with the pass breakup of the night last night, looking like you said, looking like Julian Blackman back there in center field. And this team would not be where it's at without George Odom. That's a fact. And he's playing well. And, and that's a sign of roster depth. But those guys deserve credit because because they've taken their lumps the last couple of years. They've been one of the weaker spots in the team. I had huge concerns about that unit entering the season, and I've been surprised. So give those guys credit. And I think it all starts and ends, especially with Darius Leonard out. It starts with DeForest Buckner being both the voice of that unit and and the guy who drives it, obviously, uh, playing that three-technique position. So they got a good thing going on defense. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to before we before we forget before we wrap this or wind this down. You know one guy who deserves credit and we got to mention him, TY Hilton. Yeah. Good Can we point. just give it up for the veteran? Okay. This guy, listen, I asked him last week because there was that clip in Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks has been good because it it gives us a window into things we don't normally see and and it helps us pick up on things that are not that obvious sometimes. I love that clip a couple of weeks ago where he goes to Frank Reich on the sideline. He says, hey, you ain't got to force the ball to me. I'm fine. I'm good. And he says, no, no, but I'm trying to get you the ball. He says, yeah, that's fine. But like, do what we, just do what you got to do. I'm good. And I asked him, like, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you feel compelled to say that? And T.Y. said, well, you know, I didn't want him going out of his way and forcing the ball to me or anything. He's like, you know, we're just, we just got to win. Don't worry about it. And he says, you know, I've done my thing. It's not a big deal. And I, I, I asked him, it took a certain level of maturity to say that and to and to actually verbalize that and i think that's true and i so appreciate the the version of ty hilton we have seen in the last couple of years you know we are not seeing the same player anymore right that is because mother nature does what she does but this guy i think just has such a critical role and voice on this team and hit but yet can step up and do what he did last night. I think, what was it, three or four big catches, actually. He had the 39-yarder as well. Uh, this guy, he's still clutch. He can still get it done, and he still plays an important role on the field and in the locker room for this team, and he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, especially after the seasons he has had. I mean, he's missed a lot of time. Uh, he's been an afterthought, but to step up and play like that uh, in a primetime game on a holiday, uh, I think, he deserves a lot of credit. I, last thing I'll say on Ty is, you know, I thought he he had a great way of of describing, you know, just sort of how he and and some of the other veterans um, really encouraged the younger guys and the backup guys, you know, who who had to play last night, you know. And his quote was, if I can find it here, you know, he said, uh, "Where can I find it?" Well, anyway, I can't find it, but he said, <laughs> he said, "Look." This is what you want. He says, it's Christmas. Everybody's watching. Uh, it's prime time. And he says, we need you. We need you. And those guys answered that call, man. And and I think Hard Knocks, one last thing on Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks has, I think, really given us a window into what T.Y. Hilton's voice means on this football team. So, and and I he, think it's, it's great that Frank Reich allows him the space to have that role, too, I think. So, sorry. Uh, no, well said. And, and I almost like overlook T.Y. sometimes, but yeah. that dude is, he's all team. 
Like he is, period. I'm not, I'm not saying that because the Colts want me to say that or because TY wants me to say that. He's all team. You see it in those hard knocks clips. And I saw it last night at the podium. And I honestly believe this was one of the most meaningful wins he's been a part of for this franchise. He's been here for 10 years now. And and he he tweeted it last night, man. What a Christmas present. I love this team no matter what we find a way. He doesn't do that after most wins. He's been a part of some big ones going back to the 2012, 13, 14 days. And he had, you know, four catches for 51 yards that last night, including that huge, huge 39-yard catch on that game-sealing drive. What a throw from Wentz. What a catch from T.Y. He could still make plays. This is what he brought him back for. But um, he's... He's a Colt, man. He's like, he's an Indianapolis Colt for life. Like he really is. And he's become what Reggie Wayne was late in his career. And, and I didn't see that for T.Y. for a while. Early in his mm-hmm. career, I just didn't see that from him. And I really think it changed in 2018 when he played through those two ankle sprains. My, my opinion changed of him. And I think Frank is absolutely all behind him. There's a reason they're paying him what they're paying him this year. He's not a $9 million receiver anymore. But he is in a lot of ways because he's bringing so much to this team. And um believe me the, the players respect him there's no one frank reich respects more in the building as a player than, than ty hilton and he matters like it it matters that he's on this field right now he's not the same player he was but his presence absolutely matters and i think that's a real thing and i think ty should enjoy this last stretch however long it lasts whether it lasts to february or january or whatever um special player he's meant a lot to this franchise and and, and nights like last night kind of remind you of how much he's seen in the years and and how much he, he's meant to this franchise. Yeah, and, and in closing on TY, I thought it was appropriate that after the game last night, you know, he's one of the last guys off the field and, and waiting for him as he's running off is Chris Ballard, the GM. And, you know, they had an embrace and had a moment. And that's great because I think, you know, what what you're seeing in that game is is TY rewarding Chris Ballard for his his faith in him. Now we can talk about maybe the lack of contributions and the injuries throughout the year for Ty, and, and maybe was it a good signing? Was it not a good signing? But I think it was always bigger than just the numbers, and I think you're seeing that in terms of how he he contributes to that locker room. But anyhow, that was that was I think an appropriate moment. Um, that's I think Chris Ballard wanting to show gratitude for him stepping up and and fulfilling the role that they've asked him to play. And then T.Y. happily being able to do that for a guy who said, you know, hey, I, I can I can be that guy. Trust me, you know, bring me back. Because it was never a sure thing. It, it did That did get more tenuous than I think people even realize. T.Y. Hilton was getting ready to walk out the door here, okay? And and that was Chris Ballard, okay? Chris Ballard had, and, and wasn't Jim showing Ursa. the love. And yeah. Jim Irsay. Well, well, I was saying Chris Ballard wasn't showing the love. Jim oh, Irsay yeah, made no. it happen. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, well, he took yeah, significantly so anyway. less. Significantly less. Yeah. So I'm glad those two, um, you know, were able to have that moment, and and I think it it just seemed appropriate. So anyway, um, th- this is a fun team. I don't know, man. I just, you know, I I, I try to take myself out of it, but I mean, I'm a human being. Look, this shit's fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, covering losing cover. teams sucks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of big headlines and splashy stuff to write about. I get that. It's not fun. Okay, it's not. I'm just being honest, man. And if I gotta if I gotta work on Christmas, I want it to be fun. Okay, I want to at least enjoy it. So this team is fun, and 
I think we're both, we both feel fortunate that we have a lot of these stories to cover because uh, they make the job more interesting. That's all I can tell you. So I can only imagine as a fan, when you got your heart invested, I can imagine what that's like. So, 37 um, minutes in and we have not mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Oh, my That's a God. miracle. That's amazing. That is. Well, looking at the box score here, Zach, I mean, the man only averaged four yards a carry. I mean, so what? What He didn't do anything. He had 108 What do you have last night? Call me when you do something. 108. Yeah. yeah. Call me when you actually show up. And then you said this when we were leaving. This is probably the last thing we should we should get out of here. But they kind of did it without Jonathan Taylor. And it sounds ridiculous, right? Because he had 108 yards. But it was a quiet 108. And usually he gets 120, 130. But after that big first chunk run, I mean, he was he was trying to find yards and they just weren't there. And, and that's why it was so important for Carson to step up. But like you said, it wasn't their most impressive win, maybe, but it was the most revealing because – Mm-hmm. They did it kind of without Taylor taking over. They had to prove they could do that. They're probably going to have to do that in the playoffs, one or two games. And we'll see where that goes. But like you said, the most fun I've had covering a team since the 18 season. And wherever this goes, I'm going to be there. So we'll see how far it goes. But they're but they're a hot team right now. They're a fun team right now. And let's hope COVID doesn't go crazy. But they're a team with a lot of confidence. No doubt about it. <laughs> All right, so, hey, we'll be back after the Las Vegas game next weekend. We'll see who plays. We'll see what does or does not happen between then and now. Lots to talk about, but uh, enjoy the win if you're a fan, and uh, we'll circle back next week and see what they got. Stay tuned to The Athletic. Uh, We're also going to be having an end-of-the-year sale if you are not a subscriber, so look for that. It's going to be a pretty good deal. to get in on before the end of 2021. So we don't want you to miss any of that upcoming coverage. So thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate all of you. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast and always jumping on and uh, listening to what we have to say. So uh, have a great rest of your week, uh, great holiday, and we'll talk to you guys next week. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Keeper, and this is 1%. Better.